Amazing. Oh, my joke. Okay. Don't worry, I didn't forget. I got it here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's going to be cheesy. Uh, forgive me in advance. Why did the preacher cross the road? I don't know. Why did the preacher cross the road? Thank you. Someone got it right. Um, <laughs> why did we, to get to the best church in the world. Knock, knock. It's the preacher. <laughs> yeah, apologies. The, 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 the original was, was a little bit rude and it was mean about people. So I decided to change it and instead be really cheesy. But it was always a privilege to be here. So, you know, we, we were away over Christmas and we were getting ready to come home. And, and uh, we were just really looking forward to being home. Really looking forward to being here with you, with this family. Really looking forward to being back in church and, and doing the things we're called here to do. And I was uh, just kind of reflecting on it and thinking, what an excellent privilege and, and the most grounding and anchoring thing it is to be exactly where you know God has called you to be, right? Like there's something so important about that because who knows in, in life we're going to have ups and downs and trials and, and good things and amazing things and tribulations. I don't know what's worse, but we have the ups and downs of life, right? But when you know you're, you're grounded, you're planted, you're rooted where God has called you to be, it provides such a stability through all of those. And, and it brings so much warmth and, and comfort to me and my encouragement to you would be, would be the same. You know, ask God, hey God, am I where I'm meant to be? Am I doing what I'm meant to be doing? Am I at the church I'm meant to be at? And these are great questions to ask because actually as you hear the Father's answer, he brings you to a place of real stability. And it's so important we have that because life does have its ups and downs, as I'm sure we're all aware. And it's really important, actually, because this, this series we're doing, James, is written to people, everyday people, um, which includes all you people, because you're everyday people. But it is to everyday people living everyday lives. This is who James is writing to in his book. Um, so why don't we read this passage together? It's James chapter 1, verse 19 to 27. Um, let's do it. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So this is the uh, kind of our, our next preach on this series, Faith in Action. And, and when we were putting together this series, we really got a sense of, of God's heart for us in, in every minute of every day. How actually throughout every day there are choices and decisions that we make to choose life or death, to, to follow God or not to follow God. And actually, he's, he's one in every single bit of us. 
not just our Sundays, not just our quiet times, but every single bit of our lives, he is wanting to have his, his full effect in our lives. This is the heart of God for us. And that's why I love this series in James, because it isn't a series necessarily of extraordinary encounters, but rather one describing the daily honing and shaping of God the potter. And we are his clay. If I could recap, just going back to the start of the letter, and James is writing to the Christians who are scattered throughout the world. Um, and, and that's important because he's not writing to the Acts 2 church. In Acts 2, there's this church we hear about who are daily gathering together and, and devoting to the apostles' teaching and praying and eating together and sharing all things in common, which is an amazing example of a church. But by the time we get to where James is writing, the church isn't looking like that, actually. It's, it's changed. It's dispersed out among all the nations because of persecution. They meet together on, on a weekly basis. They're overseen by the deacons and the elders. There's still things like studying apostles' teaching and prayer and sharing together, but, but there's a slightly different flavor to the church. James is writing to everyday people doing everyday life and, and seeing the kingdom of God come where they are. And I think this is really important. Um, I met a, a member of the congregation. Actually, I met a couple of members of our congregation this week who own their own businesses. Um, my son seems to think I'm a sheep this morning. Um, I met a couple of members of the congregation who own their own businesses this weekend. We were just chatting uh, about life, and, and I was just really encouraged by hearing them talk. Um, they kind of, they're working in a business, they're faithfully serving God and, and using that to impact the world around them. You know, by these businesses, they are advancing the kingdom of God. They're being just fair, nice employers. They're being honest contractors. They're being Holy Spirit-inspired wisdom into the situations God has placed them. And this book of James is written to these people to remind and encourage them that their impact for the kingdom of God through where the Father has called them is just as powerful and anointed as any other job, any other ministry, any other place. This is a chunk of us in the church who are working out in the marketplace. And I really just wanted to honor you this morning. Can you just stick your hand up for me? If you, if you work in, in anything other than the church, basically. Yeah? This is a good chunk of the room. I'm going to bless everyone in here who's retired. You're amazing. But I just want to focus on these guys this morning to say, we just want to honor you. We want to honor you for being steadfast in your place of work, for honoring God in the way you do your work for showing people what Jesus looks like because you walk in the room. Oh, we want to honor you this morning. Can we just give a clap to just everyone who's working out there in the marketplace this morning? We want to honor you. As we go through James 1, I just see um, James writing wisdom to people who are in the ups and downs of life. You know, verse 4, it talks about being joyful and steadfast because God is working through trials and and, temp and temptations. In verse 5, it talks about asking for wisdom if you face tricky situations. These are all just, just basic building blocks we can put in our everyday lives. You know, who's, who's anyone been humbled at all in their lives? Yeah? Okay. Who's been promoted at some point in their lives as well? Probably quite a chunk of us, right? God is working through those situations. God is teaching you and leading you. And actually, sometimes the, the humbling is more valuable than the promotion. It talks about who, what we do when we face temptation. 
He talks about what uh, if we've got need of any sort, whether that's healing, whether that's financial, whether that's in relationships, that God gives good things. And verse 18 sums it up. It says, God is reforming us through his word of truth. And that's the truth of the gospel in its application in our lives, that we would be transformed to experience the first fruits of his coming kingdom in, in, in every place we go and in everything we do. God is working through us. And so as we get to this passage today, I, um, I really just wanted to summarize it. And the reason I wanted to summarize it is because I wrote a load of stuff. And then last night we were praying with Lou at our house. And I immediately was like, oh, okay, and that's not right for today. So I changed it a little bit this morning. And I hope you, you'll bear with me. But if I could summarize this passage we've read in James. It says, put off your old human practices as they cannot produce God's righteousness in your lives. Our human ways of doing things, no matter how virtuous they may seem, cannot produce God's goodness in our lives. It is only by abiding in the vine that he produces good things. Amen? This said is instead, receive God's word, which causes a transformation of our characters as it renews our mind. Who thought differently after becoming a Christian to before a Christian? Yeah? Who thought a lot differently? Yeah. Okay. Glad you're the people. Okay, it changes the way we think becoming a Christian. I remember when I was, um, me and my brothers, uh, this, I, I don't know if this is like covered my confession here, but me and my brothers, my, my brother used to get DVDs from his friend, which weren't necessarily official DVDs, is the best way I could put it. And we used to, to watch them together every Friday night, have like a movie night. And I remember uh, uh, that was great. And then as I grew closer to the Lord one day, Holy Spirit was just like, I don't think you should watch those anymore. And it changed my life because I went to my brothers and I was like, I'm really sorry, I can't watch these DVDs every week anymore. And one by one, my brothers were like, oh yeah, we can't watch them either. And this little thing which was before was just a fine thing that we did, suddenly we were like, actually, that's not right and we can't do it anymore. Holy Spirit changes the way we think. He transforms us. As we read God's word, as we understand that that is effectively death, it transforms the way we think. James then gives us an example of what it is to have your character transformed. Well, this is all around me, sorry. That's better. Um, and this example he gives is, is, is not just seeing our identity in God, but allowing that to cause us to come into a place of action. And then he finishes with a similar challenge to the first. You know, your, your religion and your acts of piety are worthless if your heart is still living like the old you. You can come on a Sunday and do whatever you want. You can, you know, honor your wife in public, but if you treat her badly at home, it's worthless. Yeah? You can, you can sing the great songs and, and, and do all these things on a Sunday morning, but actually if we, if we go home and we live another way, then it's kind of pointless. He's challenging that. He says, real religion comes from a pure heart, concerned for the things of God's heart, the widows and the orphans, not as much about outward appearances. So it sounds really simple. This is my, my encouragement to you. Ditch the old person, the old you, the behaviors and the habits of your old life, and live in the holiness of your new self. And in you doing that, your religion becomes worthwhile. Which is easy, right? If you said yes, then you'd do better than me with this. I'm all too aware of actually my propensity to fall into old habits and old ways of thinking, old behaviors and old ways of seeing myself. But I want to encourage you this morning that pure religion is not a question of sin, but actually a question of identity. Who are James says this, be doers of the word and not hearers only, 
deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at himself in the mirror and then walks away and completely forgets who he is. Do you remember who you are on Monday morning? Do you remember who God has created you to be? When you hit that hard spot, when your co-worker is annoying you like anything, which happens in all walks of life, what do you do about it? Do you remember who God has created you to be? Do you remember the grace that he's given you, and are you ready to give that to someone else? Um, this kind of reminds me of the prodigal son in Luke 15. You know, the, you'll probably know the story that there's a son of a father, which is kind of how that works anyway, but he has position, he has influence, he has inheritance, he has identity, everything that we have as Christians, right? Everything that we have from our heavenly father. But he forgets his place and chooses to live in ways we would associate with the old nature. He, he goes, he squanders his money, partying, drinking, you name it. And then, this is my favorite verse in the whole story, believe it or not. Just at the beginning of Luke 15, 17, it says, But when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he turns around and returns home. He suddenly has this thing of like, oh, actually, I'm still a son of the Father. Still a son of the Father. In James's words, he finally remembers the man in the mirror. It's a Michael Jackson song, isn't it? I'm happy enough to man. There you go. If you remember anything, remember that song. Because when we see God, when we know the Father, when we understand and spend time with him, he reveals who we are. Our identity is found in him. The Bible says that all of creation takes its name from the Father, right? So as we see God, and that's why we worship him and we praise him, is because we want to fix our eyes on him because he alone is worthy. But as we do that, and as we see him, we get a glimpse of who we are, because our identity is found in him. And I would encourage you this morning, if, if you're saying, well, you're talking about the person in the mirror, but I'm not really sure who that person is, then my best advice this morning is, look to your heavenly father, and you'll see who he's designed you to be. Because we are made in his image, and we are transformed into the image of Christ. So look to him, and begin to see who he has made you to be. And as you do that, as we start to see ourselves, we are reminded of who he's designed us to be. As we go out into the world, as we face these difficult situations, our identity, our identity is what causes us to then act in the way God has designed us to act. This is not about doing good and doing good and doing good and doing good and hope you make it and hope you get there and hope Jesus loves you. This is, you are good, he does love you. Remember who you are and live who he's called you to be. Okay? It's my best, my best encouragement because there's people this morning and I could talk about some of the stuff in these verses, but to you it's just going to sound like a bunch of hurdles that you've got to climb over to feel good enough. And you need to hear this morning, you are good enough because Christ made you good. He took all your sin upon himself and gave you his righteousness. There's this amazing passage in Galatians that I just want to finish on. Uh, Galatians 2. If you want to grab it in a Bible, because uh, it won't be on the screens, but Galatians 2. Um, it says this. This is Paul talking. Um, so I'm going to go to verse 17. It says this. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, 
Oh, definitely not going to sell that. 16, that's okay, sorry. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. I.e., we're not made right by God through what we do, but because we believe in Christ, which I think we all get. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. I.e., James is speaking to the people and saying, no matter how hard you try, this will not make you right with God. The lip service, the do good and for the sake of do good doesn't make you right. Actually, it's by faith in Christ. Verse 17, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. And this verse 18, I think is really important. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I think this is really important. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. I.e., if Paul rebuilds this way of living according to the law, according to religion, where it's about what you do, where it's about what you have to do to, to kind of meet God's approval, to be good, then he proves himself to be a transgressor. But through the door I, law, I died to law so that I might live to God because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live. That old man, that old way of living is put aside. It is put to death. It is crucified on the cross of Christ and as we live in our new nature, as we live from this place with him, the new man, in that place, he transforms us to live according to his will, by faith in him. I'm going to invite you to, to stand with me. I'm going to invite the band up. My big encouragement to you this morning in, in a series all about faith in action is that our only actions that make a difference are the ones that come from faith in the first place. Faith in Jesus, that he has made us righteous by his works alone. And as we receive his new identity that he gives to us, suddenly what we do bears fruit for his kingdom. He says, apart from me, you can do no good thing. So why don't we just pray together? I'm going to ask the man to pray a little bit. Father, I just pray for this week. God, we are so keen. We are so hungry. We are so desperate, God, to, to do your will. Father, as a, as a church, we really want to be the people you've made us to be. We, we want to be advancing your kingdom, God. We want to see your signs and wonders in action. We want to see the, the hungry fed, the, the poor clothed, God. We want to be your hands and feet. God, we want to do, do pure religion, Lord. And Lord, in all of this, I pray that you help us see that these are not kind of marks that we have to live up to, but rather, God, you would 
allow us to see ourselves afresh every day. Lord, that as we look to you, we will see ourselves afresh every day and remember who you've designed us to be. Can I just encourage you in this moment to, to look to your Heavenly Father and just say, God, who have you made me to be? Say, say God, as I look to you, would you help me see who I am? encourage you that if what you're seeing is good and is full of love if what you're seeing is a person who is valued and honored, a person with gifts who is worthwhile, who is loved then this is the Father's view of you and I just pray Father from the bottom of our hearts that everything we do will flow from this place I pray for us as a congregation as we go out from here knowing that we are priests and kings in this world you've called us to, that we are ministers of your covenant of forgiveness and reconciliation. I pray that as we go out from here, every decision we make will come from knowing our identity in you, knowing who you've designed us to be, knowing that we are sons and daughters of the Most High. I pray you would do this, Lord, in our lives. Thank you.